Mark chapter 4. And if you have your Bible open to Mark chapter 4, let's stand together, please, and we're going to read a few verses, and then we're going to pray. We've been talking about this passage here in Mark 4 for a few weeks. It has to do with Jesus teaching parables. And uh, this one of the most well-known parables, the parable of the sower, we'll make reference to that. So this is a parable he's just taught, just explained it to his disciples. But then he says this in verse 26, Mark chapter 4 and verse 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. So keep in mind, that's what he was saying in the parable of the source, like the seed being sown and casting seed into the ground. But this is a different parable, really a standalone parable, but he is taught in this, in the context of these other parables. So he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Now let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time in the Word today. We want to be able to determine from the Scripture what the Lord is saying to us Because we're talking about the words of Jesus. I mean, God has preserved for us the very words of Jesus. And we want to know what those words mean to us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to bless today as we study. We ask you to give us open minds and hearts. We want our hearts to be fertile soil to receive the good seed of the word of God. And we pray that you would just prevent us from being distracted or hindered in any way. Lord, from getting what you have for us today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So once again, we have in this uh, text, Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is if a man should cast seed into the ground. So let's just imagine this. We're talking about God's kingdom, God's work, and it is characterized by like a man casting seed into the ground. Uh, this is the time of the year that people are planting gardens. Some of you planting gardens. Anybody? How many of you? How many of you have planted some kind of seed already this year? Let me see your hands. Look at those hands. Several. So this is about this is about a man casting seed into the ground, and um, this process something that any most anyone can understand the concept explains something about God's work and the seed again represents the Word of God. And the Word of God is cast into the ground. Now, this is not in the text, but let me just give you a couple of principles about sowing that I heard years ago that have really stuck with me. First of all, you're going to reap what you sow, right? If you plant watermelon seed, you're not going to grow strawberries, hopefully, <laughs> um, So whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. By the way, Galatians says this, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he what? Also reap. So you reap what you sow. Second of all, you reap after you sow. If you want to reap something, you better sow something. Sometimes people want to reap great blessings 
but they don't want to sow the right things. They expect a good harvest. Don't expect a good harvest if you're not planting good seed. So you reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, and thirdly, you reap more than you sow. You know, you only have to plant one tomato seed to get a tomato plant, which will bear many tomatoes, which each one individually contain many seeds. Same thing with corn. You reap more than you sow. So this is, this is relevant because we're talking about sowing the word. If you're sowing the word, you know, you're going to reap. You're going to reap after you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. And so this, this ought to cause us to think about, and this is all kind of a way of introduction into the lesson, the priority of sowing the seed of God's word. First of all, sowing the seed of God's word into your life. Getting God's word into your life. And we do this through personal Bible reading. We do this through our personal devotions and study. We do this by coming to public meetings of Bible study and preaching and teaching like we are here today. We're coming with the express purpose of, of having the Word of God sown into our hearts. And, it, and that will produce a good result. And, and we ought to take that seriously, right? We ought to remove as many distractions as possible. We want to hear the Word of God sincerely. But also, we ought to be sowing the Word of God not just into our own hearts, but we ought to sow the Word of God into the lives of others. And that would be our children, our neighbors, our friends, people where we shop. We want, by personal evangelism, by witnessing, by giving out a gospel track, we're sowing the Word of God. The Word of God, the seed is the Word. Now, we're going to learn some more about that as we go on, but we, we really need to get this in our heart, not just for this sermon, but for our lives. As we, when you share your testimony with other people, when you tell people what God has done in your life, when you invite people to come to church so that they can hear the Word of God, they can hear the Gospel, we're helping to sow seed into their life. When we support missionaries and, and financially give and pray for people who are taking God, the gospel, scores of families that we support that are around the world, what are we, so that we can sow the seed of the Word of God on other, in other continents and countries and communities, that ought to be the passion of every one of God's children is sowing this good seed. This happened recently, but it's happened Numerous times over the course of our being here, I'll give someone a gospel track or a piece of literature from our church, someone in the community, and not just in St. Clair, but in other communities around us, and we'll give them a gospel track, and they'll say, you know, someone gave me one of those recently. Now, that's the way it ought to be. You say, well, that's never happened to me. Well, maybe you never give one out. <laughs> you know, if you give one out, maybe they say, you know, someone recently gave me one of those. And all I'm saying is we ought to be sowing the seed. It's the word, it's not a piece of paper that can change a person's life. It's the word of God that's printed on that paper that can change a person's life. So that ought to be our passion. So this is about planting the seed, but more particularly, if you're looking in Mark chapter four with me, it's about the growth of that seed. Look in verse, I'll read 26 and then first part of 27 again. It says, and he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed shall spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. The pronoun he is talking about the person who sowed the seed. He just sows the seed, and he, and he 
finishes his sowing for the day. He goes to bed. He sleeps. He gets up in the morning. He goes to bed the next day. gets up. And, and that seed is going to spring up. But he doesn't know how. He doesn't understand how that happens. The seed shall spring and grow up. Uh, spring, that word spring, of course, is a, is a verb. And it describes the growth of the seed. You plant a seed... And it's going to come up. The Greek word, if you're interested, is blastano. And, and there's, there's a number of definitions and defining words or synonyms for that word that's translated as spring. It means to bud, to germinate, to sprout, to have new leaves to spring up. We're in the season we've referred to as spring. Why is it called spring? Because of plants springing up, springing back to life. That seed, the Word of God, is sown by a man, it's, it's, it's placed in the earth, and it springs, it brings forth, look in verse 27, it says, the seed shall spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. It's going to come up. Uh, most of you know I had shoulder surgery back in February, and then I began physical therapy the last part of March, and I'm still doing physical therapy twice a week. And one of the stations I'm at now, I've graduated to a place in physical therapy where I have this little bicycle, but I don't ride it. I just put my hands on these things and go like this. It's kind of embarrassing, you know, a grown man. This is about the exercise he can do. But from my station riding this bike, right to the, there's a window right here, and out in there's a courtyard by the physical therapy place. And I noticed back uh, some weeks ago, that little, some little bitty green shoots began to come up out of the ground. I go there twice a week. And every time I go, they've grown. And I just noticed Friday that some of those early sp sprouts that came up are about that tall. And some others are just about that big. Now, that's, a, that's an example of what Jesus is teaching about right here, that they plant the seed and it begins to come up. For, for, this is so simple, but I want you to really, really think about this this morning. That when you plant a seed, the growth into that plant's life is normal and expected, right? It's normal and is expected, but it's not understood. Look in verse 27 again. He says, he says the, the seed shall spring up and grow. He knoweth not how. There's a mystery to this thing. There's a mystery that even the planter doesn't understand. He doesn't know how this takes place. He plants the seed. He plants the seed. And then he goes and finishes his day. And he rises day and night and sleeps. Has no knowledge of the growth that's occurring beneath the surface of the ground. Now one of the things that reminds me of is the fact that it, it may take time sometime for the seed to become fruitful, Right? And those of us who've planted, if you planted grass seed, I didn't even plant any grass seed this year, but, but we've planted grass seed a lot of times out on our property. And, and I don't, I, we plant the grass seed, we may put some straw on it, we may water it. Um, and for two or three days, I don't even check on it. But after about five days, I start looking. Because I know there could, by seven days, we could have some grass coming up. And we're going to be excited about that. But I, you know, you don't know what's going on below the surface. And, the, and he says that you plant, the, you plant the seed, but how it comes up, he says, he knoweth not how. You know, there are two 
common errors, I want to throw this in, pertaining to this subject, and I've been guilty of both of them as far as sowing the Word of God. And one of them is failing to sow the seed. Failing to sow the seed either in our own life or in the lives of others. You're not going to have a harvest if you don't sow the seed. Now all of us want to see people get saved. All of us want to see lives changed. But it's not going to happen just because we want it to happen. The most, one of the, the greatest things we can do, one of the practical things that every Christian can do is to sow the seed into people's lives. But there's a second error that I've made. And that is attempting to reap the harvest before it's time. Because just because you can get a person to pray a prayer to be saved does not mean they're ready to be saved. And this text is teaching us we sow the seed. That's all we can do is we sow the seed. And if this man, look here in verse 27 where it says, He knoweth not how. He doesn't know how it springs up and grows. If this man doesn't know what causes the growth, that means he has done nothing to contribute to the growth. Then we can be certain that as far as planting the seed, we don't really have any part in seeing that seed produce fruit. We can't make the seed grow. Now, you know that I, you know, it'd be silly for me, you know, to get down there on my hands and knees and I've got some seed under the ground and I'm talking to it and pushing it and shaming it and said, you lazy seed, why don't you come out of the ground? You know what I'm saying? I just can't make that happen. But at the same time, I can't even make people grow spiritually. I can't make anybody grow spiritually. I can give the truth and sow the seed and and, and try to encourage them. But you know what? I can't make that happen. Only God can do that. I was re- reading uh, this verse of Scripture. I'll just read it to you without turning to it. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul said this. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. He's, Paul says, I'm, I've done my part, Apollos has done his part, and, and we'll be rewarded. Every man shall be rewarded according to his own labor. For we're laborers together with God. You're God's husband or you're God's building. We're working for God, but it takes God to make that happen. I, there's great encouragement in these words here in Mark chapter 4 in this parable. Because sometimes we can't know what's going on in the hidden heart of people who receive his message. You know, there are times when we can be in church and, 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 all, and what we're really doing is giving out the seed and talking about it and explaining and helping people understand it. But what you do with it is between you and God. And how you respond to it is up to you. And the condition of your heart is the primary factor and how that's going to be responded to. But sometimes... We may think nothing's really happening, but God's really working in a person's life because that's the way that seed is that's planted in the ground. So what's observable to the eye may not tell the story of what's happening in the heart. Verse 28, if you look there, it says, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. Interesting. The sower sows the seed. The seed goes into the soil. And then it says this. The earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. So what is it that causes the seed to grow? 
And it's, it goes back to that parable we talked about earlier, and that's the condition of the soil that, that has the most effect on how that seed responds. It's the condition of the soil. And remember the, remember the parable of the sower? We're not going to read over it this morning. You had the sower went forth to sow, and some seed fell by the wayside, and some fell on stony ground, and some fell among thorns, and then some fell on good soil. The same seed on all those different four, four surfaces, but only one of them produces. And what should that say to us? If you're here today and you're a, you're a Christian, you've accepted Christ, you know you're saved, what should this say to us? It means we ought to, when we come to the Word of God, we ought to bring hungry hearts, we ought to bring tender hearts, we ought to bring an attitude that's willing to learn and change and let God work in our life because we want the, we want the Word of God to impact us. The truth of the gospel. I mean, sometimes when we're preaching the gospel, the simple gospel, that Christ died for our sins and was buried and raised on the third day, and we're presenting the fact that there's no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. It's only through His sacrifice that we can be saved. And sometimes people just listen to that without really taking it to heart. But many of us can remember how that message resonated with our, with our broken lives many years ago. And through faith in Christ, we were saved. But it wasn't the way it was presented that saved us. It wasn't the expertise of the planner that saved us. It was the fact that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. And when we receive the gospel, it changes our life. But people can sit and hear that and not be affected by it at all. The truth of the gospel ought to be received into our heart. But you can apply that to any truth. The truth of God's will concerning our family and how we are to structure our family and how family life should be lived. That, that ought to be received into our heart. The, the uh, truth of the word of God about how our devotional life and time spent in his word will change our life. The truth about how God has gifted every one of us as believers that we might serve Him in and through His churches. That's, that's God's Word. The truth about stewardship. The truth about the coming judgments of God. The truth about the missionary responsibilities of the church. All of those things are truths that ought to be received into our heart. And so we ought to bring to God an open heart, a tender heart, a, a believing heart. As much as we would like to, and I'm speaking to people in this room who are... See, Seed sowers. A lot of people in this room, maybe through an organized, structured ministry, maybe going into the nursing homes or going into the jails, maybe just witnessing to your neighbor or a work associate, giving out the gospel. As much as we would want to, the sower cannot control what happens when the seed is sown. People are not converted because of a Clever presentation of a polished soul winner or preacher. That doesn't save people. I think we ought to present the gospel in a way that people can understand it. But people are not turned from death to life, from darkness to light, from being lost to saved because of anything we have done. It's because that seed has been sown. And it's the secret working of the Spirit of God in a person's life. As you, as, it's, it's not, may not, not, may not be true of all of us, but many of us, we just want to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? We want to make it happen. I feel like somebody just reached out and grabbing somebody by the throat and said, would you just please believe 
<laughs> it might make me feel better. I don't think it's going to help the cause. We just want people's lives to be changed. Last Sunday was such an encouraging Resurrection Sunday for me. The music was outstanding. Um, my heart personally was moved by the Spirit of God and just getting to preach the gospel. I love to preach the gospel. But as we left here Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon, early in the afternoon, left here and drove home, I told my wife going home, she'll tell you this, I, I said to her, I just feel like I dropped, my, I dropped the ball in preaching. I just felt like I could have done better, should have done better. Why? Because we want to preach the truth that changes people's lives. And we do preach the truth that can change people's lives, but we can't change people's lives. Our job is to present the truth. And what happens after that, we have no control over you know, that makes, and I'm kind of getting a little bit away from the text a bit, but I'm going to get back to it in a moment. That makes us, our decisions, so important. My wife and I were in a conference uh, east of Chicago for a few days this week, and, and I, got to hear the, God, I got to hear the Bible preached numerous times. I love to hear the Bible preached. But I'm not just hearing the Bible preach so I can get sermon ideas. I'm hearing the Bible preach for what God might do in my life, how God might speak to my life. Some people may wonder, why do you have a time at the end of the service where you, where you don't just dismiss and go home? You have a few minutes for people to bow their heads and be in prayerful attitude. Sometimes we call it the invitation. And, and maybe, you know, that may sense, be a strange thing to call it, the invitation, because... You know, you might be saying, well, I didn't get invited. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a time for people are encouraged to respond to the Word of God. And to think about it. We never try to coerce a person to come forward. We don't ever try to manipulate people. I've been in services where preachers try to manipulate people. You know, they ask you to raise your hand for a dozen reasons. You know, do you, you know, do you know somebody that's lost? Do you know somebody that's saved? Do you know somebody you wish would get saved? You know, do you have a sick dog? And now if you raised your hand, right, we want everybody to come forward as soon as... And I think, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that their motives are wrong, but I'm just saying we can't make people respond to the Word of God. But I think one of the most important part of the services are those few moments at the end of the service. And it's often trivialized. You know why it's important? Because we ought to be responding to the message. We ought to be taking God's Word into our heart. God, what do you want me to do with this? It's a time of applying the truth and receiving God's Word. And by the way, one of the worst times for a person to get up and move in the service is during that invitation time. Because whether you realize it or not, it's decision-making time for a lot of people. They're contemplating decisions that could change their life. We're not just here to be entertained, we're here to hear the Word of God, and how might I respond to the Word of God? We ought to take that seriously. And so the seed is sown, and it's going to produce fruit, we'll talk about that next, but as far as the, the sower, he has no understanding, no ability, no means, no way to understand what is taking place in that hidden sowing of the seed. But look with me in verse 28, if you would. It says, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. The earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, 
That's just the little sprout that comes up. And then the ear or the stalk, we could say, and after that the full corn in the ear and you've got the finished product. So the seed will produce fruit. Now, I just want to make sure we're thinking about it. The seed will, not it might, but it will produce fruit. Received into the right kind of soil, it will produce fruit. And when I'm reading that, I'm asking the question, well, what if there is no fruit? What if a person says they're saved, but there is no fruit? There's never been any fruit. Is that person really saved? And I believe this is teaching us that if you're saved, there ought to be some evidence, right? You've heard that, you've heard that rhetorical question asked. If you were, if you were accused, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? You know, there ought to be some evidence that we're saved. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I never want to try to make a person doubt their salvation, but there are lots of people that I know who, who want to say they're saved. They do say they're saved. They want to believe they're saved. And yet there's no fruit at all of salvation in their life. And what is that fruit? It could be any number of things. You know, Romans talked about having your fruit unto holiness. The fruit of salvation is wanting to live a holy life. Desiring to please God. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence. And many of us, I don't know if you fall in this category, but I know a lot of people would because I've been engaged in these conversations for a long time. But many of us, including myself, have deliberated about these four types of soil. You know, the wayside, the stony ground, the thorny ground, and the good soil, and ask ourselves which of those we're saved. We know the fourth one was saved, right? He brought forth fruit, right? Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. He brought forth fruit. But what about the other three? What about where the, where the seed was sown by the wayside and it, was, and it was stolen by Satan? Never even had a chance to work in their life. What about the stony ground where they received, they heard with gladness. They received it with gladness, but they only endured for a little while and they fell away. And that was one of the things that we learned about in Sunday school this morning from Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. He wanted to know from Timothy visiting, going and revisiting Thessalonica. He wanted to know, was our labor there in vain? Are they still standing by the stuff? Are they still growing? Is there still fruit in their life? What about the seed that's sown among thorns? And the care, it's defined as the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. And I'm telling you, the cares of this world want to choke out the Word of God. But the seed on good soil, we don't even have to speculate about. It brought forth fruit, right? Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Think about these verses. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, the tree is known by his fruit. Jesus said that. That's how you know. You don't know the tree is a certain kind of tree because it tells you it is. Just wait till you'll see the fruit. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, A good tree, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Jesus said that. John the Baptist said, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. 
Another place in Matthew, it says, You shall know them by their fruits. We've got a few fruit trees that we just planted a few years ago. And they've produced a little bit of fruit, but not enough to speak about. They've not earned their keep yet. But every year, we're, we're seeing a little more out of them. But I'm promising you, if you go in a few weeks or maybe a month, you won't have any trouble distinguishing the peach tree from the apple tree. How do you know? Because the fruit. A, a, the good seed, Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, is sown by this man, and then his, his, his um, influence is over. He'll sleep and rise night and day, and the, seed will, and the seed, without him doing anything, the seed's going to spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after the full corn of the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in the sickle. So when the seed is sown, there's nothing more the sower can do. You can just sleep. Sometimes I lose sleep over people that aren't responding to the Word of God. Some of, I guess none of you have ever done that. You just keep preaching the truth, keep giving them the truth, and they, there's no evidence, there's no fruit, there's no response. And I, need, I was thinking about this, I need to obey this Scripture. Just get some sleep. <laughs> but you know what's going to happen if that, seed, if that seed today, is if that seed of the Word of God is received into good soil without me doing anything else, it'll spring and grow up. First the blade, then the ear, and finally the full corn. There will be fruit. It may take longer for some people, but there will be fruit. And that fruit is not something we do on our own, it's something God does in us. He produces that in us. Amen? It's the work of God. Right? It's not my work. Sometimes people say, uh, I've had people say this to me, you know, and I've heard people say this to me about me and about others. You know, that person saved me, or you saved me. And I'm thinking, I hope I didn't save you, because I... <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, God's the one that does the work. Amen. But then notice what it says in 29. We're coming to the end. Number 29, verse 29. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately He putteth in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now, now he, He's done sleeping. Now it's time to harvest. The harvester is to put in the sickle when the fruit is ripe. And so the laborer, he plants the seed, but then he can't do anything. It's got a, it's the, a miracle has to take place in a person's life. And that's not, we're not, that's not talking about Calvinism. It's just talking about the work of God that's necessary for a person to be saved. I'm not attacking anybody, but I'm telling you, a great injustice has been done in America by preachers who preach that you can take your take 10 minutes and go out and spend it on a couple of doors and you can have people pray a prayer and you can tell them they're saved. I'm telling you, none of us have the power to do anything but plant the seed. God has to do a work in someone's life. And by the way, if you have to talk them into being saved, I wonder if they ever were saved to begin with. God has to do a work in a person's life. But thank God that we as His servants not only can sow the seed... But we can also be, have a part in harvesting those that God is working in their life. But we can't boast about it. Paul said, he that soweth and he that watereth. He said, I watered and Paulus sowed and I watered and, and God gave the increase. But he said, you know what? He that sows and he that waters are nothing. 
It's the work of God. It's the work of God. In that passage in John chapter 4, when Jesus was um, witnessing, talking to, giving the gospel to the woman at the well. Remember that story? All the disciples had gone into town to get food. Jesus wasn't interested. He had this divine appointment. He was going to talk to this woman. And then he said to his disciples, Say not ye, there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, he says, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already unto harvest. And then he said this, He that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you're entered into their labors. You know, if you were in the, in the course of your daily activities this week, if you were to come across someone, maybe where you work, maybe in your neighborhood and you begin to strike up a gospel conversation with them and tell them what Christ means to you and share the gospel with them. And they say, well, how was it you came to know the Lord? And you tell them how Christ died for you and was buried and raised on the third day. And it's not through our good works, it's through our faith in Christ. And they were just smitten with conviction and said, please, I want to be saved right now. Wouldn't it be wonderful? By the way, it happens like that sometimes. And you show them how to be saved and they get saved. Can I tell you, my guess is somewhere along the way, somebody else sowed a seed and watered that seed before you ever got to them. I'm not saying it had to happen, but most of the time, that's what happened. You know, when, when I got saved, I was 21 years old. And I had a faithful preacher of the gospel who preached the gospel to us. But many years before that, I had a faithful mother who lived the gospel before us, who took us to church. And I've said this before to you, but this, you, this may seem like some kind of creepy or something, I don't know. But when I was a lost sinner driving down Peachtree Road in Balk Springs, Texas, by myself, driving that 66 Chevy that eventually I totaled running in, head on into another truck. I was driving along, and a, and a verse of Scripture came into my mind that my preacher, Jimmy Ritchie, preached when I was a little boy. So what I'm saying is, that's the way it works. Amen. You plant seeds in people's lives. And you trust God to work in that person's life. And you can't know what's happening in that person's life. But you know what? Eventually, eventually, God can bring that person around. Amen? So, so what do we take home with from this? Number one, what are we doing to sow the seed? I'm not the best at this. I'm not saying that I am. But... We believe this, what I'm saying so much, that every day of our life, our day off, every day on vacation, every day of a life, many times in the middle of the night when we wake up in the night, 
we take the Bible and we read the Bible to take the Word of God into our life. You know why? Because that Word produces fruit in your life. And far too many people who claim to be saved, and maybe they are, they want the fruit of a strong, stable, godly life, but they're not planting the seed to produce that in their life. How are we sowing the seed into our own hearts? How are we sowing the seed into the hearts of our children? How are we sowing the seed into the people around the world that need the gospel? And then we ought to ask ourselves, is the Word of God bearing fruit in our life? Not all the same, some 30. Jesus said this, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. It's not all the same. But it's producing fruit. And then we ought to ask ourselves, is my heart, my heart, personalize it today. Is it the kind of heart that's open and receptive and humble, sincerely bringing the Word of God? Or is it the stony heart that's become hardened or a heart that's so cluttered with the things of this world, the entertainments of this world, the obligations of this world, that there's no real hunger for spiritual things? Sometimes, I think people come to the church service and come to the preaching time as though the burden of their life being changed rests upon the preacher and his ability to convince them and convert them. But I'm telling you, that's not, that's not biblical. Whether it's a dynamic sermon or a whisper of a message, if the Word of God is received into the right kind of soil, it's going to produce fruit. And it's our privilege to present to God a heart that's open and receptive and willing to hear whatever God has for us. Amen? And the fruit will come.